Hi, I'm Vanessa Petrie and I'm the CEO of Beyond Zero Emissions. I'm Michael Lord, I'm Head of Research at Beyond Zero Emissions. We're a think tank, climate solutions think tank, and our mission um, is to do research to show that you can get to zero emissions in Australia um, very quickly and that technology is not a barrier. So we do big picture reports for you know all sectors of the economy. Um, and what makes us really unique is the way we do our research. So we have a really small um, staff team. The majority of people who do our work are volunteers. So volunteer um, researchers with an engineering or a science or an economics background and all of the um, experts that support us do so on a pro bono basis and that allows us really um, to get an amazing depth of knowledge and experience in our work um, and it's also a really fun way to work too. You're in town to talk about one of your recent reports, Electrifying Industry, because of course it's more than just industry using renewable energy, isn't it? It is. Um, I'm lucky enough to be paid by Beyond Zero Emissions, um, but uh, yeah, I coordinate uh, some great volunteer researchers uh, on, um, first of all, uh, our report on cement called Rethinking Cement, which came out in 2017, and as you said, most recently, Electrifying Industry. Now, when you say electrifying industry, um, it means more than just saying to them, oh, no, use renewable energy rather than burning coal, gas, or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's a really important point. So, when we're um, talking about industry in the report, we're talking about manufacturing. And manufacturing in Australia, even though it isn't as big as some manufacturing sectors in other countries like China, contributes more than a fifth of the country's greenhouse gas emissions. And if we had 100% renewable electricity, we'd tackle about half of those manufacturing emissions. But this report is about those emissions that take place in the factory. So the fossil fuels, which is mainly natural gas, burn in the factory. So it doesn't matter how many wind turbines and solar panels you have, they'll still be burning those fossil fuels in the factory unless we make some changes, and uh, that's what we're talking about. Is, is burning gas the only way to, to get the heat you need for industrial processes? No, it, that, that's what our report is about. So what we're saying is um, what we need to do is make the product and use as little heat as possible. Sometimes we can actually get away with no heat. We can take a, a thermal process and... Uh, and use, let's say, ultraviolet for curing paints and things and use no heat. Uh, but in most instances, uh, what you can do is switch from gas to electricity. You get a lot of benefits from doing that, like um, better efficiency and better control over the product. And if you switch uh, your source of electricity to renewables, which is happening more and more now, and a, and a manufacturer can just do that unilaterally without the whole grid going to it, then that means their product can be zero emissions. When we're talking about heating technologies, what kind of technologies are we talking about? Um, well, perhaps I should explain why we need heat. Um, if, if anyone, uh, wherever they are, looks at materials around them, like glass and metal, uh, even things like wood and paper, they nearly always go through a heating process to be made. So to make glass, you need to start by melting sand. That requires a huge amount of heat. So this is why uh, gas is being used. Um, it's, uh, we're just, just setting fires so or something to burn heat the way humans have done for thousands of years. Uh, with electricity, there are technologies that allow us to replace gas for all of its uses. So a big reason people burn gas is just to get hot water and steam. 
let's say we're making some kind of food process, you probably just need hot water and not particularly high temperature steam. So there's a technology called a heat pump. Uh, reverse cycle air conditioners that many people have in their homes are heat pumps. But you can now get industrial heat pumps that produce hot water, hot air, steam up to 160 degrees. And the great exciting things about these heat pumps is that they can replace those gas boilers generating the steam. And whereas a gas boiler often has an efficiency of 50%, a heat pump, believe it or not, can have a, an efficiency of several hundred percent, which it does by reusing sources of waste heat, which otherwise just come up, go up the chimney. How high can a heat pump go? At the moment, uh, the hottest is about 160, 165 degrees. Uh, so we mentioned a couple of these in the report. There's a Norwegian company called Viking, appropriately enough, Viking, and they produce the Viking heat producer uh, booster, and that produces um, heat up to about 160. Probably in 10 years' time, we'll be hitting about 200, and maybe 250 is about as hot as it can go with a heat pump. So if you need higher temperatures, what other technologies are there? If you need, uh, you could just use straight electrical resistance. So you could just use an electric boiler, uh, which might make sense, for example, if you've got solar panels and you're not using all of that uh, energy you're using from the solar panels. Or if we're in uh, 100% renewable grid, there'll be times when we're just generating more than we need and the electricity will actually be really cheap. So you can throw that electricity into an electric boiler, um, make hot water and it just stays hot for several hours. Um, but if you need really high temperatures, um, there's a range of technology. So we look at a range um, which we uh, collectively known as electromagnetic heating technologies. So this is things like infrared, microwaves, radio frequency, induction, and all of those can reach temperatures of uh, well over a thousand degrees. That would cover, I would think, most industrial processes. Yeah, that's right. You, you, you've covered most things. Uh, by the time you've got to a thousand, certainly two thousand degrees, you've covered 98% of processes, let's say. Um, and, and they all have different uses. The electromagnetic range of technologies are particularly efficient and particularly fast. So they're efficient because they heat the thing you want to heat directly. They don't heat anything else. So if you think heating food in a microwave, when you take the food out, it's just the food and maybe you know the bowl that's hot. The whole microwave isn't boiling hot. There isn't huge amounts of hot air coming out of the microwave. That's very different in an oven. The oven itself is hot and all the air around it. That's a big waste of energy. Um, we might not care too much in the kitchen, but at an industrial scale, we're talking about a lot of money being wasted. Mm. Now, in your report, you mentioned that there is a huge opportunity um, for industry to, to move to energy efficient heating technologies and, and powered by renewable electricity. Um, and I think one of the interesting examples you gave is the question of uh, emissions free steel production. And that involves also replacing coke as a reducing agent, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. So just to talk first about that opportunity. So this isn't just about reducing emissions. Um, this is also about using less energy, lowering your bills, uh, having a more controllable process. So electricity is a really controllable energy source. You can control the temperature, control the production, um, which is really important in some processes. Uh, the electromagnetic heating technologies are really quick uh, so we've got some examples in the report. If you want to heat up some thin material, if you put it in an oven, it might take five minutes. If you do it with infrared, you can do it in seconds. So we're talking about really serious 
uh, increases in production. So there's a number of benefits that we go through in the report that make electricity really attractive. You asked uh, specifically about steel. Uh, that's a really exciting one because steel uh, globally is about accounts for about 7% of world emissions, just, just the manufacturing of steel. And it is exactly as you've said, because we burn coal and coke to make steel and it plays a chemical role uh, in the manufacture. It's, it, it provides the heat, yes, but it's also this chemical role. So you can't just add the heat, you need, um, you need something to take the oxygen away from the iron ore. So that can be done with hydrogen. Um, and this is already being done at a commercial scale. So there was a, a plant in Trinidad uh, built in 1999, so 20 years ago, making iron from uh, using pure hydrogen. At that plant, they were getting the hydrogen from natural gas, so there were emissions, but we could get the hydrogen by electrolyzing water with renewable electricity. There's a big electrolyzer being put in uh, at Port Lincoln in South Australia. Uh, we need a, a much bigger one than that, but it is possible, and at least four European steel companies have said that they want to pursue this route and are seriously investigating it. The big opportunity, of course, for Australia as our amazing renewable resources, it, yeah. it just makes sense. So we, um, in a report in 2015, we quantified it. We, we can have as much renewable electricity as we could need or ever want. Um, so it could be a real competitive advantage to just tap into that with energy intensive materials like steel. And no doubt there'd be a, a ready market for zero emission steel as an export market. Well, it, it needs to start somewhere and it will grow. And um, we, we um, point out in the report up the front the case for um, electrification and renewables. Of course, what the market and the investors are doing is going to drive everything will go to zero the transformation is happening so if australia um, is an early mover in the market we can establish ourselves um, as a really competitive player and i think that the glencore decision last week was really significant in institutional investors starting to change the way um, well the, the strategic decisions that companies are making so instead of worrying about that that's a huge opportunity um, we should be embracing it and yes like we, we should start the market off for steel because it, it will grow and we'll yeah. have that foot in the door that's right and it's worth adding australia is the world's biggest exporter of iron ore but we're exporting that we're not processing it here we're saying we should process it here in a zero emissions way now you looked at three scenarios for this transition of yeah. industry. Can you tell us a bit about those scenarios and what, what they imply in terms of how much renewable energy we need to use? Yeah, so in those scenarios we quantify how much energy is needed. So I think um, I think scenario one is um, uh, transferring all existing manufacturing to using electricity. And um, I'm just trying to look up uh, it's not. Uh, I was just trying to look at how much we say it, it should use, but basically it's a it's a it's a manageable amount. It's uh, we would need on top of what we generate today, we would need an extra thirty three percent electricity generation. But if we follow the, the the other benefit from following BZD's plans is that we don't need any gas at all. So gas is used for electricity generation. It's used for heating homes and buildings, and it's used by industry. But if, if BZE's suite of plans is implemented, we don't need gas uh, at all. So there's that whole energy system 
that we won't have to pay for anymore. And it will be replaced by a bolstered energy grid. So yeah, to, to replace all of our existing industry would be um, uh, an extra 33% of uh, generation. But we also look at further scenarios, scenarios two and three, where we start to have not just existing industry, but uh, an expanded industry, particularly looking at that steel production and also the production of renewable hydrogen for export. So there's a lot of excitement about this at the moment because some countries, particularly Japan and South Korea, have very publicly said they want to create hydrogen economies, but they're not countries with great renewable resources. So they're looking to places like Australia with those great renewable resources to produce some of that hydrogen. The idea is they will buy it from Australia. We should perhaps note that when you say renewable hydrogen, uh, yes. that's because we're not talking about using burning coal to generate hydrogen, a very inefficient way of doing it. Exactly. So, so hy most hydrogen today is made from fossil fuels. And the problem with that is the carbon... Uh, uh, in the fossil fuels gets released as carbon dioxide so there's huge amounts of emissions from hydrogen production the main reason for hydrogen production is to produce ammonia uh, but renewable hydrogen is done by electrolyzing water so separating the oxygen and the hydrogen in water uh, using renewable electricity and it's interesting to note that ammonia is actually being mentioned as a, a possible carrier for hydrogen in, in terms of a way of yeah. transporting hydrogen what that's, is that that's right well Making hydrogen isn't that difficult. We've been making hydrogen with electrolysis for more than 100 years on an industrial scale. Transporting it uh, is more of a challenge just because it's such a light gas, uh, hard to compress, escapes very easily. So um, people are looking at different ways. So how would we ship hydrogen from Australia uh, to uh, you know, Japan and South Korea? There are a number of different ideas and as you say, one of them is ammonia. So ammonia is a mixture of nitrogen and, and uh, hydrogen, so you convert it into uh, ammonia and then release it the other end. Uh, it's, it's, I think that makes a lot of sense, but it's yet to be seen which way of transporting hydrogen becomes the most successful. Well, the interesting thing about ammonia, it's hydrogen density is actually greater than that of liquid hydrogen. Yes, I've heard that, yeah. Uh, and there was some recent CSIRO research that suggested there's a, a, a nanolattice framework that'll make uh, the energy equation much nicer for releasing yeah, hydrogen. That's right. CSIRO are definitely backing ammonia as the way we transport hydrogen and they've developed a technology for um, uh, getting the hydrogen out of ammonia the other end. Yeah. Okay, well it sounds like a great idea. How do we make it happen? What needs to be done? Yeah, that's that that's the big question. Um, so despite the fact that there's a lot of good business reasons and a lot of good national reasons to go down this route of electrifying manufacturing. There are significant barriers. So um, one is just the, the, the basic lack of knowledge uh, about these technologies. I think, I think you express it well. A specialist in gas boilers is unlikely to recommend a heat pump. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's, it's the whole supply chain. If, if you're a factory and you say, you don't go to someone saying, I need a heat pump. You say, I need some steam. And the answer you're going to get every time is, well, get a gas boiler, get some pipes, and uh, this is how we make steam. And it's, so it's, it's, it's partly lack of knowledge, and it's partly what you just said, the vested interest. The whole business is built around gas boilers. So we, we, need, we need to tackle that with more information, but it's, it's an area to, to start developing that supply chain 
the alternatives like heat pumps. We need government action. So we need uh, incentives to use heat pumps, um, things like government grants, the same kind of targets that we've that have been so successful with renewable energy. You know, solar panels weren't cost effective, you know, when they first came about, but they are now thanks to government support in Australia and around the world. So we need that same kind of committed government support. And what we're trying to do at Beyond Zero Emissions is talk to as many decision makers, people with the power to change things and enthuse them about this, uh, that it is, yes, we can um, reduce the emissions, but it can also be great for Australian industry. So let's get behind it and have some policies uh, that, that get it rolled out. Because if we do it now, as Vanessa was saying, we'll be ahead of, of the curve internationally. If we don't, we'll be way behind. So is it just um, educating industry and, and educating government that you need to do? Uh, you need to do more than uh, educate. We need to support it with, with grants. Um, and things like arena grants are great to show that things like heat pumps work in practice. So when you have, you know, there's, you, you can write, we can write a report like this, but it's only when the technologies are working in industry that others get really excited about it and think, oh, wow, we're doing that. So you've really got to convince the engineers that heat pumps are a good idea and they should recommend them. Yeah, that's part of it, convincing the, the engineers. Um, and once we start to get a few here, then we start to develop that supply chain. So we start to get um, manufacturers of heat pumps, none of them are Australian at the moment, selling here. And uh, yeah, the, the, the heat pump, the, the heating engineers that are experts in gas boilers starting to understand heat pumps and perhaps recommend those next time. So it's a bit like the idea of uh, electrical batteries. Yeah. Um, which uh, we imported, but now we're starting to develop them locally. Yes. And build them locally. We imagine if there's a demand for heat pumps, something similar would happen with that industry. Yeah, I don't know whether the heat pumps themselves have been manufactured here, but um, it's whether they are or not, it creates a whole new industry in installing them um, because there's a, bit, there's a bit of work and capital expense in installing a heat pump. Uh, that's the industry that really needs to take place. Uh, take root in Australia. Um, you know, it doesn't matter too much if we're importing the heat pumps from overseas. Now, there are clearly advantages to industry to move to um, electrical heating technologies. Yeah. Um, how much of a nudge do they need to get a move on? Uh, they, they do need a, a nudge because we're talking about really capitally intensive things. And um, we, we make the point in the report uh, that Australia has the least efficient industry of any developed country. And that is a result of underinvestment in energy. So there hasn't been a history of even kind of quite basic energy efficiency measures using fossil fuels. So the idea of um, completely converting a process to run on electricity is, is, is quite remote from the thoughts of many manufacturers. That said, there are, all, there are always pioneers and once as I'm saying, once once they start to show other manufacturers that they can do it cheaper, do it quicker, and get a better product out of it, then um, other manufacturers are then going to think, well, we're missing out. Why aren't we doing it like this? If people want to find out more about uh, the whole process, uh, where can they get your report? They, they can get it from our website. So they can get all of our uh, reports, download them for free, uh, at bzd.org.au. We've just launched a new website which is looking great. 
So, yeah, they can download it there. You're obviously giving a presentation uh, about these reports around Australia. What sort of response have you gotten to the launches? People are, people are very interested. Uh, nobody told us we're crazy, which is good. <laughs> I think, you know, um, the price of gas has just had a huge impact on manufacturers and electricity too off the grid. Um, so we've, Michael and his team actually collaborated um, with quite a few industry leaders and participants behind the scenes to put this report together. Um, and there's, there's a lot of interest. So I, in a sense, the stars are aligned because the gas will never be, it's not expected the gas will ever be cheap again. Um, so something needs to be done um, and it's a good time to put this solution out. We launched, we did the national launch in Melbourne and we had a one day summit um, really for manufacturers to show and discuss and share how renewable electricity can really be the next wave of opportunity for manufacturers. And it, we had 200 people attend, um, a really great response. So the interest is there, the need, the need is there. Uh, people are really open-minded. But as Michael said in our report, like we, we really recommend that it, it needs good, strong policy leadership from a government um, to really get things moving 